Hey guys, Artisan here, or Carlos, or whatever you know me as. So, two like housekeeping things pertaining to this platform that I want to get through first before getting into other stuff. The first one being that I, so I mentioned this um, at the end of last week's chapter, but I absolutely 100% do not believe anybody got through to the end of it, which is fine, you know, it, it's totally okay. Uh, but I mentioned this at the end of that, and I want to mention it at the start of this week's chapter so that more people can know about it. Um, so kind of just like summarizing what I had said, uh, I've, I've gone on, I've, I've gone at length about this topic before on this show. Uh, so my cats are like the most important things in the world to me, and they have been, uh, pretty much the entire duration of this platform existing this year. Um, so I had a cat named Mikasa who sadly isn't here anymore. And I now have two cats named Levi and Armin. Yes, all of them were named after Attack on Titan characters. Uh, really, really don't care if that's some kind of an issue. Um, and I want to use the year-end awards coming up in December for this platform to just commemorate those three entities for having the profound impact on my life that they have. Because literally, this whole platform does not happen without them. Um, so, uh, the winner of Song of the Year will get the Levi and Armin Award, and then subsequently, the winner of the Record of the Year Award will get the Mikasa Award. So, that's what's going to be happening. Uh, again, first two full weeks of December will be dedicated entirely to the year-end stuff that I'm doing. Um, I had a missed call. I'll, I'll worry about that later. Um, the other thing was, uh, so I've been doing TikTok content uh, for about a month now, and uh, a few weeks ago, I reviewed the brand new Attack Attack EP on this show. Uh, the EP was called Long Time No See. I didn't really have many nice, good, kind things to say about it because I just wasn't really feeling that release, and I still haven't. Um, but I took a clip from my review and just made this really brief... 15 or 20 second TikTok video out of it. And for whatever reason, it is doing numbers. Not like crazy numbers, but just numbers that are relatively, insanely, immensely, exponentially higher than anything else that I'm doing on TikTok right now. Uh, I'm a little bit annoyed by that, honestly, because that video requires so little time and effort from me compared to what else I do on TikTok, yet that's the one that's taking off. So you know, I guess it is what it is. Can't really complain if something of any kind is getting attention. Um, so yeah, if by chance you're listening to this chapter right now, because you came from that TikTok, uh, I really hope you give what I'm doing a chance because I think this is something that can help, uh, you know, allow people to learn about new artists or maybe, hear a clip that I put in from an artist that they either didn't know about or aren't really high on, and maybe it'll turn them around on them. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But yeah, just hopefully, you know, more good can come from the TikTok endeavors for Ulterior. So having gone through all that, uh, what is going to be on this chapter? So there are brand new singles from the likes of Rain City Drive, Bad Omens, Eminence, North Lane, No Bragging Rights, Avril Lavigne, We Came as Romans, maybe some others I'll go in-depth on. And then brand new records from 
Silent Planet, the C4 Cinema, Lolo, Ares, and Gold Necklace. So, yeah. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy this chapter. Very, very rarely will I actually listen to a record if I'm not intending to review it for this platform. Um, and, and that's pretty much been the case since I started doing the whole podcasting shit back in April and then consistently since August. Um, I believe in the entire time that I've been doing this, there are only two records I've listened to where I knew I wasn't going to review them, but I just wanted to hear them anyways. Uh, they were Casey Musgraves and... Dabin, Dabin, I don't know how to pronounce that name exactly. It, it's an EDM artist. Uh, both are really, really good albums. I just didn't really see the purpose of having them like part of some scene thing that I'm trying to do here. So like, I didn't hear Donda. I didn't hear Certified Lover Boy. And I'm saying all this now because there were two records last week that I haven't heard yet. I don't know if I'm going to, uh, those being Silk Sonic and Taylor Swift. I know Taylor's wasn't like a new record. It's a re-record thing. Um, I, I saw like a lot of discourse about All Too Well, like the extended 10 minute version of it, which maybe at some point, actually not maybe, I'm pretty sure at some point I will listen to at least that song. But yeah, that's kind of where my head is at with like non-scene related stuff at this point. And I have reviewed non-scene related stuff before, uh, not not everything was for the podcast, but like at least on social media, like I did J. Cole and Tyler the Creator. Um I don't remember who else, but I know I've ventured into that realm before. And you know, maybe on on a lesser week I would have talked about Taylor or, or Silk Sonic, but not this week. Uh but yeah, that's kind of where, like I said, everything lies with the non-scene stuff. Okay, so getting into some singles now, uh, to cover from last week. The first one, which was the number one ranked song in Scenic Overlook and thus will be entered automatically into the top 100 songs of the year list coming in December. Uh, it is the brand new single from a very well-established band, although this is the first single under a brand new name. And I'll uh, elaborate a little bit more after introducing the song and playing the clip. So we've got Cutting It Close by Rain City Drive. Problems of my own. I'm ripping up Barry Stone. We're cutting it close. How we at the end of a row? I don't wanna see the fence forever. Been through hell. Rain City Drive is the brand new name for the band Slaves. And this has kind of been a long time coming because Slaves was initially uh, formed by Johnny Craig, who used to be in Dance Give a Dance, got removed, used to be in Amorosa, got removed, went back to Dance Give a Dance, got removed, and then formed Slaves, and then eventually got removed. Um, there's a pattern with Johnny Craig, if you couldn't tell. Um, the other pattern being that... Uh, after a band like dropped Johnny Craig or he left or whatever the case might have been, they picked up vocalists who 
you can truly make arguments for having been better than him and possibly taking, not possibly, but for sure taking those acts to heights that maybe he necessarily didn't fulfill or see through. Um, and in my opinion, that is what happened with slaves. So Johnny is out of the band. They bring in Matt McAndrew, who didn't have any kind of a background with the scene, particularly before uh, joining slaves. But the guy is a fucking megastar. And he has been, you know, ever since back when he was on The Voice. And then just the the, the dude is made to be a front man for a post-hardcore band, if you want to call slaves or Rain City Drive that. Uh, so they had to better days out back in August of 2020, August 7th, I believe was the exact date. Uh, I don't know like how extensively I've been able to talk about to better days on this podcast before, but I will say now that it is not only one of my favorite records of 2020, but it is one of my favorite records of all time. I absolutely love to better days. I believe there are no skips on that record. Everything from start to finish is just flawless and Nothing has changed with the new name. Rain City Drive are just as fucking talented as they always have been. Cutting It Close is so catchy and, and so infectious. And like just the vibrancy to this track is like out of this world. I fucking love what Rain City Drive are doing. I have no doubt that they're going to continue to have like the same kind of success that they did as Slaves. There will be a new record from them in 2022. So that is really, really exciting to know. And I am just eager to get more and more out of Rain City Drive in the future. Let's talk about Bad Omens for a minute, shall we? Uh, this is really, really cool for me because Bad Omens is a band that I haven't really been able to go fully in depth on yet on this podcast and because they haven't been active in the time that I've been doing uh, this show. But they finally are now. They got a brand new single out along with a record announcement. So the album is The Death of Peace of Mind out February 25th, 2022. And along with that, we got the title track as the lead single. So normally what I do is I will wait until I finish the chapter for a given week before going into any of the singles that were released in that time frame. So uh, Bad Omens released a single uh, Wednesday morning and I didn't finish last week's chapter until like midday Wednesday. So I waited until Wednesday night to listen to the single and by that point I kind of had it spoiled for me in a way. Because uh, there was a tweet that showed up on the TL that said something along the lines of New Bad Omens sounds like The weekend," Which I saw that and I was just like, okay, that's that's really interesting. Um, I thought maybe if anything it could have been like an exaggeration or hyperbole. Um, and then I heard the song and that is kind of accurate, I would say. Uh, it does have like that electronic backing that is so uncharacteristic of bad omens up to this point but i think they absolutely fucking killed this track it is so goddamn awesome to see uh, bad omens go down this avenue um it just kind of like it, it it gives a new spin on their act and it shows off this new side to them that i am really 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 intrigued by i i, I think it 
not that it takes like a lot of ideas from this, but it really reminded me of the direction that the plot and you took on Dispose and then that bled into Swan Songs. Um, it, it just feels so like anthemic and rejuvenating. And I say rejuvenating with the understanding that Bad Omens wasn't a band that needed like a new identity. They didn't need that kick in themselves. But I'm just happy that this is where they're going with this new record on February 25th. Um, yeah, the death of peace of mind is everything that I didn't know I wanted from Bad Omens. A new single out of Imminence. Uh, this is going to be on their upcoming record, Heaven and Hiding, out on November 26th. Uh, this is the fifth single and presumably the final one in the lead up to the album releasing next Friday. Um, next Friday of the point of like this episode being released. Uh, the song is called Alleviate. Just to be clear, Alleviate was released on YouTube as part of the Chasing Shadow music video like two weeks ago, maybe by this point, um, but it was not put as like a standalone thing on Spotify until this past Friday. And so because it wasn't a song that like you could access on every platform, I didn't really want to talk about it back then, which is why I'm giving it a dedicated spot now. Alleviate has a certain aura to it and like characteristic that I don't believe is necessarily there on the other singles released as part of Heaven and Hiding. Um, so firstly, I want to say that I think Eminence is just one of the coolest bands out there right now. I think their take on metalcore is something that even if it's not like entirely uncharted, it is still just really 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 cool and fulfilling to hear a band have this kind of like um this big atmospheric um like symphonic take on the metalcore genre and be able to excel in that realm really um with alleviate there's like this slower pace that's going on compared to the other singles and just it to me in my opinion that pacing is what really, really allows Eminence to show off their personalities and really, really show who they are, again, in a way that I don't know if I could necessarily hear that on the other singles for this record. It's just, like, so beautiful and dark and twisted, and it's something that I, I really, really do suggest everybody go out of their way to hear, even if you don't really, really fuck with metalcore like that. This is a track that feels so like, um, like transcendent in the genre. It just has this grip on me that I, like, I was hearing this song last week and I was thinking to myself, like, this really, really might be number one in Scenic Overlook. And ultimately it wasn't, but like, there are so many weeks I can think of from this year where if we got Alleviate those weeks, it would have been number one. This song is fucking amazing. I love everything about it. I love everything that Eminence have been doing in the lead up to Heaven and Hiding. And in all likelihood, this will be the final record that I give a review for in the podcast. 
so, you know, already there's this like attachment that I have to heaven and hiding and this like, um, um, I, I guess attachment is all I'm really trying to say. Um, yeah, it, it feels like a special record for many reasons. And I, I'm going to review this record when it drops. And in two weeks time, I will be sitting here telling all of you that Imminence fucking did it and they delivered an amazing record. And I, think all the proof you need for that are the singles that have been released for this record thus far and alleviate is really the pinnacle of all that so there is news on a brand new album from north lane it is going to be called obsidian the release date for it currently is set to be april 1st and there was this instagram post the band made i'll get more into this afterwards but this instagram post that i think really really has to just be experienced by everybody in the scene it was a one-of-a-kind thing and the payoff for that was the release of the brand new single echo chamber so like i just said before the clip played there was this, well, it was actually an Instagram post and a Twitter post made from North Lane's band account where they really, really go in detail about like how they got from Alien to Obsidian and how like uh, Marcus Bridge, the vocalist for North Lane, how a lot of what he talked about on Alien, uh, which was like a very, very personal record to him, the impact and effect that it actually had on people close to him who were subjects of some of the songs on alien and it kind of makes you think in your head like or at least for me personally like that's something that you don't really consider like you don't really think about like hey how do the people in these songs feel about having said songs written about them and you know north lane go into great great detail about that again i highly 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 suggest looking at that post seeking it out it definitely like sets the stage for obsidian in a way that not many bands even consider doing for their records um so echo chamber the song itself i was listening to this song and um it was really really bothering me like what does it remind me of because there was like a certain sound like a nostalgic sound for that matter just engraved in my mind while i was listening to echo chamber and i was really really trying to figure it out and then maybe like 20 minutes later, half an hour later, I was just like randomly listening to some other song and then it hit me like Echo Chamber reminds me of um, The Hand That Feeds by Nine Inch Nails. It kind of has like that similar, at least that that's what I perceived. It has like that similar um, electronic alternative rhythm going for it that is like really, really catchy and almost like danceable. Yet at the same time, it just feels like so raw and energetic and... I, I think Marcus absolutely fucking crushes the chorus on this track. It is, again, catchy and infectious and just like, you know, I'll, I'll be just going about my business on some random shit on any day this week. And I just kind of mummer to myself like, praying I go deaf in this echo chamber. That's not actually like the tempo for it. I just kind of wanted to rush through that because I don't like singing on this thing. Um, but just like that just repeated over and over again in my head and it can't fucking leave. And I don't want it to leave for that matter. Echo Chamber fucks, dude. This song is incredible. I love it. I adore the presumed or direction that Obsidian is going to be going in. I say presumed because you can't really just predict off of one single what a Northline record is going to sound like. 
But just going off of the quality of Echo Chamber, I have no doubt that come April 1st, Northlane are going to deliver on yet again another phenomenal release out of them. A couple weeks ago on this show, I mentioned the band No Bragging Rights when I talked about their song Breaking Point. Um, I didn't mention back then, at least I don't believe I did, that they are actually releasing a brand new EP, a self-titled EP, on December 3rd. So this is a release that makes the cutoff date for my year-end stuff. And just going off of the singles that have been released for it so far, like, this is a, a late, late contender for something in that 50 range. Um, and I bring all this up now because there is another single that they dropped last Friday called Walking Blind. There's like this really cool nostalgia trip that I get taken on whenever I listen to any of the new singles out of No Bragging Rights. Um, it's it just like that, you know, post-hardcore or like hardcore punk feel to everything that's happening that just puts me in like that mid to late 2000s mindset where like I, I just imagine that time frame and like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely romanticizing it. I was going through a lot of bullshit back then just like I am now, but like being that young and being exposed to this kind of music that I just never knew was out there, like, that is this cathartic experience that I want to, like, bottle and just, like, hold so close to me, and No Bragging Rights is the kind of act that makes me feel like I have that bottle, and, you know, it's them, and then it's, like, Sea Space Cowboy, it's If I Die First, it's Static Dress, but No Bragging Rights are not, like, so much in that, like, heavy quote-unquote screamo direction no bragging rights it's just like straightforward hardcore punk and i cannot cannot get enough of like what they're offering me and the extent to which i have fallen in love with their tracks um walking blind is just everything that you know somebody who is so infatuated with that kind of sound could possibly ask for and i'm I'm looking at the track listing right now for this ep on december 3rd it's a seven track uh, EP like that is nearing album range. I- I'm fairly certain that like you know there are some records uh, I'm gonna be talking about in that top fifty list that they only have like maybe two extra songs. So you know, no bragging rights putting out a, a-, a seven track EP at the end of the year. It just kind of feels like one of the stamps on 2021 for me personally, and like I absolutely cannot wait to get into this record and just like absorb everything that's going to give me and uh you know there is there will not be i've said this before but i'll say it again there will not be a regular weekly episode where i talk about the releases from december 3rd because december 6th is when the top 100 songs of the year list countdown begins but like the so the only chance of me actually talking about this ep at length is if it makes the top 50 Uh, again do not count that possibility out that is a real, real fucking possibility that I am honestly hoping becomes a reality because I just want to get on this show and just talk y'all's fucking ears off about no bragging rights. Uh, okay, three singles left. Uh, so now we're at the point where like these were not in scenic overlooks, so I can kind of go in whatever order I feel like. And I'm going to start with uh, Avril Lavigne. 
because I definitely have not mentioned her enough on this show, and that's kind of criminal considering how influential she was on my establishment as like a, like a punk kid or a scene kid back in the 2000s. Um, so she has a brand new single out right now. It's called Bite Me. I I don't think it's like a hot take to say that there are so many people in my age bracket and then younger who owe like so much of their involvement with pop punk culture to Avril Lavigne. So I would have been like around seven years old when she like first came out onto the scene with uh, Complicated and Skater Boy and those kinds of songs. And then later on, um, My Happy Ending and then eventually Girlfriend, you know, the hits, all of you know what I'm talking about. I would assume you know what I'm talking about, because if you don't go fucking check out those songs. Uh, but before you do that, go check out the new single Bite Me, because it is just I- I- incredible and it feels like, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it feels like we have Avril Lavigne back because she never went anywhere, but it's clear listening to this song just how much she inadvertently steered the direction of pop punk over the last few months or year, however long that whole TikTok revival has been going on for. Um, you can kind of hear like that influence that she has had over everyone else uh, just like resonate with Bite Me and... It, it, it is a, a stellar song, really catchy, very just like straightforward and to the point, waste no time. Um, yeah, Avril Lavigne, fucking queen. And I believe she's having a record out in 2022. So that is 100% going to be something that I pay immense attention to on this show. The third single so far this year from We Came As Romans is finally out and you know, you'd have to assume that this is all leading towards a new record. And I say that realizing mid-sentence that Sharp Tone have been saying there's a new record coming for a while now, like back into the start of the pandemic, I believe. Um, but either way, uh, more things about this eventual We Came As Romance record are starting to surface, such as the third single that I was alluding to, that being Daggers, which features 0936. Factoring in Dark Bloom and Black Hole, which were the other two singles from We Came As Romans uh, over the last few months, I... I honestly think that Daggers is my favorite. That's at least my mindset right now regarding that track. Um, so the, the inclusion of 0936 really adds an element to uh, this song that I don't believe has ever actually been part of like the We Came As Romans repertoire. Um, it, so 0936, he has like this like rapping kind of bit and mixing that with this uh, like kind of almost like industrial metalcore direction that We Came As Romans are taking with Daggers. It reminds me of Hacktivist, yet I would say that this kind of executes those concepts, in my opinion, better than what I have heard from Hacktivist uh, at large. Um, Daggers is just a fucking heavy-ass, unforgiving track, 
I like I definitely do want more melodic stuff from We Came as Romans going into this new record in 2022 because that is like really where my admiration for them lies. That is what made me fall in love with them. Um, you know, I understand that there's going to be a different um a, a different take on all that considering that Kyle is not here anymore. Um but you know, those are certain like little directions that I hope to hear from the rest of the album once that's in my hands. But having daggers as it is now, this song is incredible. I love it. I have all the respect and adoration in the world for We Came as Romans, and they are like high, high up on my list of most anticipated releases for next year. The last single that I'll go in depth on for this chapter, I definitely have not mentioned this band ever on this podcast, so this is a cool way for me to get to like put their name out there. That being Ocean Grove with the new single Cali Sun. So I believe this is the first bit of new material out of Ocean Grove since their last record, Flip Phone Fantasy, uh, which dropped on March 13th, 2020. So like, God, I I look at that date and like all of these memories just start like grasping on my brain and, um, you know, I, I guess it should be obvious to anybody hearing this, but just in case it's like not obvious or not coming to you yet, March 13th was like the Friday of the week that everything regarding COVID just completely went to shit and everybody panicked. No one really knew what the fuck was going on. No one knew what to do. And it was very, very strange. Uh, cause I remember that Friday, this is just like a quick, like sidebar that I'll go back to the song. Um, I was sitting in a Starbucks that day. And I knew in my head, like, I should not be here. Like, there is, like, a bunch of weird fucking bullshit happening outside in the real world. And I'm just sitting here listening to Ocean Grove and then whoever else had records out that day. I think Invent Animate did, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, that that's, like, where my biggest memory with Flip Phone Fantasy lies. Having been, like, hearing this song in, like, the midst of what felt like the beginning of Armageddon. But, you know, that is all in the past now. And... Uh, well, the pandemic is not in the past. We're still in the, we're still in the pandemic, but I, I, I hope what I'm saying makes sense. Anyways, fuck, fuck what I'm saying. Uh, Cali Sun, Ocean Grove. It continues, uh, with a lot of the sounds and trends that were present on that record. Ocean Grove have like this really cool, like summer vibrancy feel going for their material. Um, you know, and like their music video for, 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 for Cali Sun as well. It just has like that weird, like laid back chill feel to it even though the song itself is not so chill it is like kind of um i don't want to say like heavy for an alternative song but there is like some aggression to what they're doing that doesn't really mirror the the vibes that you get out of cali sun um but it's just really really cool really catchy i think ocean grove they, they belong in that realm that they are kind of taking control of. And I just, I, I, I cannot say enough good things about this band. And, uh, you know, I can only hope that in 2022, we get 
something of a larger format from Ocean Grove. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I I don't know if I just did my best work with those singles reviews, um, but I'm, I'm going to keep everything as it is and move forward now and go ahead and just briefly mention the remainder of the singles I listened to that I said I liked on social media. I Miss 2003 by As It Is, Wishing Fountains by Bad Sons, Out for Blood by Code Orange, Rise Nainasha Cut the Cord by Coheed Cambria, Detective Lieutenant by Drug Church, Million Miles of Fun also by Drug Church, Let You by Ian Dior, Leaving Forever by In Her Own Words, She's Just an Ex by Novacub, I'm Not Sorry by Whirl and the Serpent, and Octane by Until I Wake. The one single from last week that I said I didn't mind was Start the Healing by Korn. And, you know, if I continue to cover, like, current Korn material on this podcast, I kind of feel like that's just going to always be the case. Korn is a band that I've never really, like, been so, like, um... I, I guess like so into so fascinated by they've got some great songs don't get me wrong it's just they're not a band that I can just latch onto and say like they have been a big part of my life because they really haven't but yeah that's kind of where my mindset and beliefs lie with corn okay so we got some records to get through now five of them to be exact and I'm gonna start off with a record that it, it wasn't the biggest one last week. I'm saving that for the end, but it was the one, if I'm being completely honest with all of you, that I was looking forward to the most. It was my most anticipated release of last week, and it was the first one I heard last week for that matter. And so now I'm just going to talk a little bit about the time that I spent with In Cinemascope with Stereophonic Sound by the C4 Cinema. I first came across the C4 Cinema off of some like random Spotify playlist that I don't know if it was like a like one of those playlists that's like publicly available to everybody or if it's just like curated to me. But whatever it was, I found the song If You Were a Robot, You Tell Me Right back from 2018 or 19. I don't remember exactly when it dropped um, because I didn't hear it right when it dropped. This is a song that like or this is a band that had to like be discovered by me later on and then there was a standalone single from them back in july of 2020 called find yourself and find yourself was like this big turnaround for me when it came to the c4 cinema i already liked them and enjoyed their material but when i heard find yourself for the first time that was where i i, I feel like my brain just like expanded my eyes opened and i was like they they've got something here the C4 Cinema, like, they really, really have all of the potential to become one of, like, the standout bands from that, like, I guess math rock or, like, post-hardcore is where they would lie in. But wh whatever it might be, whatever realm you want to say that the C4 Cinema exists in, Find Yourself did a lot to make me believe that they could be, like, the kings of that scene. And... It's still a song I go back to very, very regularly. It was one of my favorite songs of 2020. And I want to just go ahead and say now that 
I don't believe there is anything on CinemaScope that I prefer over Find Yourself, but understand that is not a slight against the record in any way. That is me kind of complimenting Find Yourself more so than it is me slandering CinemaScope. The, the only bit of CinemaScope that I feel okay slandering was the song Drip God, which got released as a single back in July, I believe it was. And I, I knew immediately, like, I, I didn't really fuck with that song the way that I wanted to. It's not bad per se. It's just, it, it feels like the C4 cinema, like, going for a water parks kind of sound and, to me, personally, it just really, really does not work the way that I would think that could on paper. Um, but again, thankfully, in my eyes, that is the only drop-off point on the entire record. So, you know, that having been a single ended up being something beneficial because I, I think my disappointment with that song would have been, like, way more like, impactful had I heard it for the first time as part of the full album experience. But the good thing about Drip God's single release was that it got put out at the same time as Tap Tapley, which is the closer on this record, and I think Tap Tapley did an amazing job at, like, really setting the stage for what CinemaScope was going to give you in terms of, like, th the sounds produced and the direction of, like, the song structure and things like that. I believe the two other singles were Crash Nebula on Ice, and then If You Deserve It, You Deserve It. Crash Nebula on Ice, it kind of does what I said about Tap Tapley, where it gives you a very clear understanding of what CinemaScope was going to, like, really pursue, and I, I, I think that song in particular is one of the highlights of the record, and I say that on a record that, like, I would need, you know, two, two hands to count, like, Every time I just was listening to this album and I thought to myself, like, how did they do this? Like, how, what was the creative process that went into crafting these songs? Because it, it is so interesting to think about this record from the, like, like the perspective of putting it all together. A and then if you deserve it, you deserve it. I talked about that a couple weeks ago on this podcast and I said that it sounded really 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 similar to medicine by bring me the horizon but i didn't mean that in like a negative way because i just felt like the c4 cinema took that kind of an idea and or potentially took that kind of an idea i don't know if medicine was like a real influence on that track but just the structure of it the way that the the, the verses are so electronic based and then you can go into like that really catchy chorus it just screams medicine to me but they made that concept their own, and If You Deserve It, You Deserve It is a fucking stellar song. The record opens with Adjusting Expectations, which I think kind of plays things safely. Um, it doesn't really have like many of those weird, quirky elements that make up much of the C4 Cinema's overall sound. So it's a good way, I guess, to kind of like get your feet wet if this is your first experience with this band. And then when you go into Glimmer, more of those aforementioned quirks really start to surface. And I think if this is your first time hearing the C4 Cinema, then by Glimmer, you probably should understand like what it is that you're getting into and what kind of a band this is. One of the best things about this record, in my opinion, is how 
a lot of the treks here are able to establish their own identities by just being so or i was gonna say so different from everything else happening but they're not like so so different but um so take night jammer and john henry the man who beat the machine as two examples um they both kind of explore more electronic based sounds but i think night jammer it kind of does it with like a almost like a 70s like synth wave kind of a feel for it whereas john henry has like themes similar to like club songs and that danceability to the way that the electronic rhythm is put together and then may is this acoustic track that i think kind of fits in perfectly as being the midpoint of the record because by then you kind of get to like i don't want to say like rest or take a break but there there is definitely some form of a pause there for you to kind of just collect your thoughts and wrap your head around what you just heard and then prepare yourself for what you're going to get into following may um and the song that comes after may is uh, 1000 ways to say you're okay every day there is just something so goddamn charming and infectious about that song that like really really made me gravitate towards it more so than the other songs here i i love everything on this record sans drip god like i already said um but there's just something about like just the way that uh, a thousand ways is able to execute all of these ideas and i mentioned earlier that i i do prefer the the band's standalone single from last year uh find yourself over everything on cinemascope a, a, a thousand ways kind of made me question for a bit if that was really the case and i was asking myself is this the best that i've ever heard the seafloor cinema sound and ultimately probably not just given the strength to find yourself but in terms of what was put together for CinemaScope, I would say that A Thousand Ways is the absolute high point of the record, and it is a C4 Cinema acting like as if this was their peak. There are some feature spots on this record that I think did a lot to help those songs gain those identities I was talking about briefly earlier. Um, so there is Such Small Hands, which features Andres, and Andres comes in in the second verse of that track and he like puts on his own spin and kind of gives it that flavor that any of Andres's original material has. And Such Small Hands is made like I, I think better for that reason. It, it definitely still would have been an effective track without Andres, but bringing him in really took it to another level in my opinion. Um, Rayla, Ryla, I don't know exactly how to say that name. I'm just going to go with Rayla. And if I'm wrong, then I apologize to any potential member of the Seafloor Cinema who might be hearing this. I don't know if... Um, well, actually, they did see the, the review on Twitter. So maybe they do have access to to this. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, anyways. Um, but yeah, Rayla features uh, Andy Sizik and Matt Appleton. Andy Sizik being from Macari and Monuments and... Oh, fuck who, who else knows what I, I feel like that guy is in like seven or eight or nine projects um but uh makari and monuments are the two that came to mind first um matt appleton is from real big fish and like what i mentioned with andres and like flavor that is what andy and matt are, are able to do for rayla and again would have been a fine enough track without them but bringing them on board really really did help that song a lot in my opinion and I, I don't know if I've done a good enough job with this review at like really, really conveying what the C4 Cinema sounds like. But in my defense, I think this band has 
a sound that really needs to be experienced by a listener themselves. I don't think there's any possible way, even if I really, really, really tried to tell you guys what this record sounds like, I would not be doing it any justice. I could say, you know, what I said earlier about math rock and post-hardcore and then throwing in like elements of electronic and pop and just all these other areas of the scene you kind of have to go into C4 Cinema and then all of In Cinemascope with Stereophonic Sound for yourself to get a full grasp of the absolute just raw talent found within this band. Um, I, I want to say that I do not know how anybody could hear this record and not at the very least find it interesting i like okay sure yeah it's possible to hear this record and just not like it at all you know you can do that with any record but i think with cinemascope you definitely can just hear these things in there that you probably have never heard before in music you like there's just something about all of the tracks and then the c4 cinema and their identity in an overall sense where i just feel like there is no one else out there doing this kind of a sound with the the prowess and the confidence and the capabilities of the C4 Cinema. And for all those reasons, I do believe that Cinemascope is like one of the most must-listen-to records of the year because it gives you a real glimpse into the future of a band that I think has all of the potential in the world to become massive fucking names in the scene. Okay, I'm looking at what is left to talk about for the records. Um, there are three more albums and one EP. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let the EP act as like the midpoint. So what I'm going to do now is get into the self-titled debut album by Gold Necklace. So Gold Necklace is a relatively new project from Kirk Travis, who people who have been into the scene for a minute now will know who he is. He used to be in Dance Given Dance and A Lot Like Birds and is currently part of Royal Coda and Pushover. So when it comes to like that kind of, um, and again, kind of similarly to what I said about uh, the C4 cinema, that like math rock and post-hardcore realm of the scene, Kirk Travis is about like as veteran of a status as you can get admittedly i was kind of late to hearing about gold necklace because uh the first single off of this record was vibe with me back in september but i didn't know about them until i heard i felt it too like towards the beginning of october and with i felt it too i could easily easily pick up what was kind of going on with um like the whole sound that gold necklace is going for I had just mentioned like a handful of projects that Kirk Travis has either been in or is currently in. There was another one I forgot to bring up, that being Eternity Forever. And that was the immediate comparison I made to Gold Necklace. Eternity Forever in particular had a song back in 2017 called Letting Go that is like really like jazz influenced. And it has like that kind of um, like just that soothing nature to it uh, being really, really groovy and like funky, I guess. And that was kind of what I picked up when I first heard I Felt It Too. It, it feels like kind of Persona 5-esque. And I know I've definitely 
said that about certain songs and acts on this show before, but like that's just where my mind goes because Persona 5, I guess slash Persona 5 Royal is my favorite game ever made. And so every time I hear something that is like in that kind of a world or even lingers on that world, that is immediately what my mind is drawn to. Um, and then after I felt it too, there was a single like two weeks ago or maybe even a week ago. I, I don't remember exactly when, but it was called Tootsie Roll. And I, I want to say I knew about Tootsie Roll when it dropped, but I just chose not to review it because I was like, I'm going to listen to the whole record anyways. I'll just wait until then, which was a fucking warms for brain ass move. Let me say that now because Tootsie Roll is in my opinion, the best song on this album. I think Tootsie Roll takes like that, like that funk vibrancy that I was talking about and just really, really amps it, really, really hones all that shit in. And it is just like so fucking infectious and it's catchy. And there's no way to just like not, you know, move your head around to the track. It is just got lives rent free in my shit, dog. That same energy can be felt with other songs like uh, Just the Right Way and Call Me Back. Call Me Back in particular is another strong point of the record, I believe. Um, it has like this really, really cool chorus where like the main hook of it is, so call me back. It's about a dream I had. And like the, the harmonies in between that uh, with like, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, no issue. It just, I know like it's not really getting across with my voice on this show, like how that actually sounds. But just the chorus of Call Me Back, it, it feels like, uh, to a lesser extent, what I was talking about with Tootsie Roll, where it's just, it, it has like every facet of this record that I find to be so interesting and fascinating. The record also does a good job at slowing its pace down when it needs to. So with songs like Coast to Coast and Padme, you get a, I guess like a slower take on what Gold Necklace are doing, uh, there are two tracks on here, uh, Near But So Far Gone and then The Closer Lullaby that are like not considerably shorter, but just shorter in length than anything else. And they kind of act as interludes. And um, the, the main thing that I picked up on was like how much uh, like of Polyphia vibes I picked up on those tracks with the guitar work. It kind of has like similar little sonic tones going for it. And I say that with like all the respect in the world because I love that shit. And that whole Polyphia influence or like possible influence, whatever you want to say it is, it's also really, really immediate once you play You and Me in the Ocean Side. And just like right from the start, that guitar work is like just so slick and smooth and it feels like everything comes second nature to Gold Necklace. Um, I just, I, I look at this project and I, it was one of those records that I gave a perfect score to. Not necessarily because it's a record that like I'm addicted to and I keep going back to, but I listened to the material on Gold Necklace and I just couldn't find anything wrong with it. I couldn't like even think of a point to be like, oh, it, it did this really well, but then this like little small thing, maybe not so well. I can't do that. It just all the way through every single second of Gold Necklace like spoke to me and it really, really impacted me and I genuinely have nothing bad to say about this record. I think it was a flawless debut from Gold Necklace. Um, you know, where does this lie in terms of like priorities for Kirk Travis? I don't fucking know, dude. I'm not even going to begin to speculate that. Um, you know, whatever he's going to do with Royal Coda and Pushover moving forward, Gold Necklace is just like another 
like a layer to Kirk Travis act, another element to all that stuff, stuff when you can't figure out if you want to say stuff or shit. Um, but yeah, gold necklace, fucking uh, amazing record. Highly, highly, highly suggest everybody check it out. It's so easy to get into. I think I, I feel like no matter what area of the scene you come from, you can easily just get lost in what gold necklace is offering because it is just that catchy, that infectious, that groovy. And it, it just, it, it hits everything that I would have asked for a record along these lines to hit. I had said before going into gold necklace that I would use the one EP of the week as like the midpoint. So we're at that section now, and I'm gonna talk about Overkill by Lolo. To, to get the best understanding of exactly who Lolo is, I think the easiest place to start would be her bio section on her Spotify profile. It says, Hi, I'm Lolo. I used to write my feelings in a diary, but now instead I tell everyone. XO. And yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate to what you hear with Overkill. Um, So Overkill was not her first project. It wasn't her first release. Well, it's her first, like, I guess extended one if you want to go that route. But she had a couple of singles uh, from... 2020 uh and then had the um well i guess the album collection from 2019 is an extend extended thing never mind what i said she has had some projects her name before um and then even the the lead single for overkill which was lonely and pathetic i didn't come across that song when it dropped i didn't know about lolo until death wish got singles treatment i want to say that was like uh was it april or march i don't remember exactly but uh, maybe it was after that, and I'm just like dumb. But uh, Death Wish was my introduction to Lolo, and there's like this. Uh, it's, it's I don't want to say like a pop rock or even a pop punk flair to what she's doing. It just sounds like alternative music, contemporary alternative music that feels like it's influenced by so many different areas of the scene. And you can point to pop, you can point to pop rock, you can point to pop punk, but whatever it is you look at, everything comes together for this amalgamation that makes up who Lolo is, and that's all I want to identify her as, just Lolo and not some kind of like a a, a genre. To kind of go back to Death Wish, that is the song that opens the EP, and Death Wish is a fucking killer of a track, um, the, the chorus in particular, like, just kind of has been roaming around in my head ever since I first heard this song, you know, seven or eight months ago, whatever it was. Uh, I kill everything I've ever loved. I got a death kiss. I got a death kiss. I will be the one to mess it up. You got a death wish. You got a death wish. I don't know how or when, but I know it's going to have a tragic end because I kill everything I've ever loved. You got a death wish. You got a, you got a death wish. And I believe I had read somewhere, like an interview Lolo gave where she said death wish was like kind of about like, uh, loss of, like, pets, or, it, it was something, um, god, I really, really wish I remember what she had said, but it was just kind of something along the lines of, like, you know, everything that I have just seems to leave me, everything I, like, I love dies, and it's very, very dark, very brooding, but, um, this is one of those songs where, like, the, the music itself is, like, so upbeat that you could probably just end up getting lost in that sound, and, not really realize immediately like oh damn this girl is talking about some really really heavy shit 
there's a similar notion going on with the single that followed that die without you which i was like crazy for that song i love die without you um it's another one that you know has like this upbeat nature to the way it sounds but then lyrically lolo is you know she's kind of it goes back to what she said in her bio like writing about shit that would have been in a diary and it's just all about like putting yourself out there making these like really personable songs that you know there are people out there who can identify with die without you i'm not gonna say whether i'm one of them or not but eh, yeah i am that's that sucks but die without you is a really really good song hurt less was kind of like this anomaly in a way because I was uh, just scrolling through TikTok like a week ago, maybe, and there was a, a video I saw that used the audio for Hurt Less, particularly the chorus. And in my mind, I was like, oh, wait, did Lolo drop Hurt Less? And it was like, no, she didn't drop Hurt Less, but she made the audio of the chorus available on TikTok. And I just felt like, you know, I, I, I have no idea if Lolo is the first person to ever do that. She's probably not. TikTok culture is still really, really new to me, and I'm still navigating that territory. But I just thought, like, that is such a cool-ass way to market a new song and, like, make it something that people can latch onto without the song even being made available. Um, it, it was kind of, like, uh, along the lines of what I talked about with um, Maggie Lineman two weeks ago on She Knows It, where she had, like, these clips and teasers posted to Twitter, and people knew of the song and knew the lyrics before it was even out that i feel like is what happened with hurt less and i just really really love that kind of marketing that kind of promotional tactic um the closing track surgery is an entirely acoustic one and so you know it, it, in that regard it is the most different from the rest of the material on overkill but i like the existence of surgery for that regard or, or for that reason i mean um you know the fact that like you're able to get through these five you know I didn't want to like classify this as a genre, but you know, these, these five like anthemic pop esque songs, let's go with that route. Uh, you get through those five songs and then you get to surgery and it's just kind of like the, like the break, I guess. And it, it's meant for you to kind of just like sit back and like take in what you had heard. It's a very, very short EP for that matter. Um, let me, let me pull up the exact runtime because it's something that like, you know, you can just, I wasn't say like breeze through, but, it's a breeze that you like you're still paying attention to everything that's happening it's still gonna get stuck in your head it's still really really infectious in that manner uh so 16 minutes and 23 seconds so 16 minutes for a six song ep that is not long at all it's really really easy to get through and um you know i guess like if you have like time to hear one project from last week i guess i'm gonna go ahead and say lolo's overkill because of just how easy it is to sit through and absorb and digest all the material um yeah it is a really really cool outstanding project that comes from somebody who i think has all of the potential in the world to really really catapult herself and elevate herself to that like superstar status in our scene and i you know i want lolo to be out there more I, I want her name out there i want her on some cool tour packages coming up I, I think lolo can really really take herself wherever she wants to especially with something like overkill so i'll get into a project now that admittedly i don't really really know what ties this has to the scene or if there are even any it's just a project from an artist who i came across like two years ago at this point and 
I had no reason to not follow him and believe that there is a lot of substance to what he's doing. And so I'm going to get into the brand new release from Aries called Believe in Me Who Believes in You. Holla back, Luke one. Too grown up for the kids. Bitch, I can't lose. I've been inside for days. How Like I had said, I came across Aries two years ago, and that was on the album Welcome Home, which has a ton of songs that I still go back to regularly. Um, Deity being the one that like I look at and I'm like, Deity is the song. Whenever I think of Aries, it's Deity that immediately comes to mind. Um, it, it, it just like it, it's, I, it's a hip hop song pretty much, but it just has like some flair of this alternative hint that really really makes it stand out from any other hip-hop project that i've listened to over the last couple of years um so you know whenever aries does something i do pay attention to it i do latch on to it and that's what happened with believe in me who believes in you so there were four singles i believe that supported uh this record fool's gold ditto kids on molly and one punch and what i would say is that those singles they don't really, st I don't, I don't want to say they steer Believe in Me into a different direction from Welcome Home, but I think the biggest difference is I listen to these singles for Believe in Me, and I feel like Aries kind of it, it is like some, Aries music now is like alternative with hip hop influences as opposed to being the other way around. Um, I would say that what he's doing, uh, you can compare it to like Ian Dior in that sense. So that makes it a, like a alternative hip hop uh inspired record that does not have inclusion from Travis Barker at least to my knowledge so uh for that reason believe in me kind of feels like enigmatic um i would say one punch is the single that like if you have to hear one to get you ready for the record that's the one that i would say go out of your way to check out one punch is probably my favorite song on the record it just has like that like um just what I've been saying about alternative hip hop, that's sort of like a feel to it. Um, if you want to go like slightly emo, I guess you can factor that in. You know, like, like I just mentioned Ian Dior as like somebody who I can kind of draw a comparison to. Uh, you can also throw Juice World in there. I, I would say that is kind of apparent when you hear, uh, believe in me. There's a song on there called Riding that has this classical guitar laced throughout it and it almost has like a like a Spanish feel to it, a Spanish influence in the execution of its instrumentation. And I think that gives it like this really, really cool identity, uh, at least compared to everything else on Believe in Me. And like somewhat similar guitar tones are found all throughout the record on songs like ETA, Easy, and How Rude. And then Outdated, which is the penultimate song, I would say that one has like uh, the most similarities to what I was talking about with, um, Deity on Welcome Home and how, like, that song had, like, that alternative flair to it that really, really kind of helped me understand that Aries is more than just, like, this alternative-inspired hip-hop artist. Uh, the closing song, When the Lights Go Out, does this really, really cool thing towards the end of it where I think just for a brief moment, it kind of brings together all of the elements, at least the instrumental elements that make up Believe in Me. Uh, so, you, you know, you have like some guitar tones, you have 
like a hip hop rhythm going on. You have like little bits of like electronic uh, sounds being implemented. And it kind of like feels like the, like just the perfect way to really, really cap off the record and summarize, like maybe not to a T, but just summarize well enough what it was that made Believe in Me, Who Believes in You, the album that it was. Um, so the, the score I gave this, I want to say was like a nine out of 10. And there's not anything particularly wrong with Believe in Me or anything that it did wrong. It just kind of goes back to what I was saying on other episodes or chapters where I think it's fair to kind of compare like prior releases from an artist and look at their entire discography when deciding how you, or I guess in this case, I feel about a new project from them. And the reason I went with a nine was just because I, I don't prefer Believe in Me over Welcome Home. I still think Welcome Home is like one of the standout records of 2019. And, you know, whether I believe that Believe in Me is a standout, do I say standalone or standout? Shit, now I'm thinking, my, now I'm second guessing myself. Welcome Home was a standout record of 2019. And I don't know if I necessarily believe that is the same for uh, Believe in Me in 2021. I forgot what year we were in. I'm, my fucking head is all over the place if y'all couldn't tell. Um, you know, but like, I, so even if I'm not giving it like as high of praise as I would Welcome Home, I still want to establish that I think Believe in Me Who Believes in You is a very, 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 very good project from Aries. And if anything that I've been talking about with like, you know, alternative hip hop, Ian Dior, Juice World, if any of that is enticing to you, go check out this new record from Aries. I promise you, you'll love it. So before I get into the final album for this chapter, I want to play this like little clip that I saw come up on uh, my TikTok feed because I'm going to go into a record that has a song called Trilogy on it. And the way that this TikTok pronounces Trilogy just like really, really, really aggravated me for whatever reason. GTA Trilogy expectations be like. I don't know what Trilogy is, but I it annoyed me, but it also kind of sent me. So, you know, whatever. Um, and that was my shitty ass way of introducing the biggest release from last week. The one that I think, um, if you exist in like scene, Twitter, metalcore, Twitter, that sort of stuff, uh, if you're in like any discord servers related to metalcore, you're going to hear about this record a lot over the next month or so into year end season. I think this is going to be a record that a lot of fans of metalcore like just rave about nonstop because that's already been happening and for good reason. And we'll get into all that right now. Uh, Era Descent by Silent Planet. I think my overall thoughts on Silent Planet are kind of echoed from what I was saying last week about like Moss to Flames in the sense that Silent Planet are just one of those metalcore bands that even if you don't fuck with the music for whatever reason, you have to respect them. You have to just look at what Silent Planet have been doing and at least admire the efforts from the band and everything that like they're doing because it feels so crucial to the scene and just like the way that they're able to get across everything that they mean to, whether it be lyrically or sonically, instrumentally, it all, it, it, it feels like we are listening to a band 
that just kind of came out of nowhere and immediately had it all figured out. Uh, their debut album, The Night God Slept, back in 2014, I still go back to it very, very regularly. There's a song on there called First Mother Lilith, which features Roy Rodriguez from Dayseeker, that, like, deadass, that might be the best Silent Planet song I've ever listened to. That might be my favorite thing they've ever done, and that is, like, counting all of the material that came afterwards on everything was sound and then where the end began. Silent Planet is just a band that uh, they they don't miss, and like, it feels weird on my end to have not really acknowledged that for a while, but Silent Planet, they just exist in their own realm. They are one of the most class act bands in the fucking scene, and, you know, I, I just, at this point, if you don't understand that, I do not know why. Um, I had mentioned Trilogy just now with, like, that TikTok bullshit as, like, a joke, but Trilogy was technically the lead single for this record. Trilogy dropped back on Valentine's Day in 2020, so like literally almost two years ago now, we've had Trilogy, and um, there was this uh, really, really cool, detailed um, interview that Marcos from the State of the Scene did with Garrett Russell, the vocalist of Silent Planet, and I, I want to say that in that, he kind of said like why there wasn't a new Silent Planet record immediately, you know, pandemic, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, uh, even if he doesn't go into detail about like why the record took so long to get to, I definitely suggest going and checking out that interview. It is really, really cool, really, really just detailed and gets you into the mind of Garrett Russell. And it's one of the most interesting things you can listen to because Garrett has one of the most fascinating and like, um, charismatic minds in all of scene music right now. And, and I guess just kind of like add on to, like what Garrett is doing as a vocalist and just like one of the reasons why he's able to get across all these feelings so fucking immaculately well is because dude is educated. He has a master's in clinical psychology and he was part of a PhD program that he ultimately, you know, chose to pursue medical over. But he he comes from a background where he knows what he's talking about. He knows all of these little details and like those details that you can find in the lyrics of Silent Planet songs, they're not just coming from somebody who has no idea what they're talking about. Garrett, like, knows this bullshit. He is, if, if you want to go to an artist to kind of have like this psychological mind fuck, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, you're going to go to Garrett. You're going to go to Silent Planet. Um, and ar around this time, two years ago, uh, Garrett had left a tour that Silent Planet were on to seek like psychiatric treatment and help for, mental health issues and there is this quote that comes from Garrett about the matter and I want to just go ahead and read it off because I think it really gets across like just how genuine of a guy this is and like what 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 you're kind of able to pull away from when it comes to Silent Planet songs because he does get personal in the lyrics you are not defined by your disorder you are not your disorder I believe you are a human made in the sacred image of God whether or not you believe that, I hope you at least realize how mathematically unlikely your existence is in this universe. And so, you know, that's a quote that comes directly from, like, the person who is behind Silent Planet. But it, it also is just something that it, it, it feels like it's a part of Silent Planet. It feels like that is something that you can look at and, and realize is like an identity that exists within these songs and... I'm going to get into the record now. I've kind of just been going off on like a tangent about some other stuff. But my point is that Silent Planet, like they and Garrett, th this isn't coming just from like some black hole of a band that thinks they can relate to their audience. No, they mean all this stuff. They're, 
they're literally about it. So, like I mentioned earlier, Trilogy was technically the lead single for this record, and along with the uh, the single that followed uh, a couple months ago at this point, maybe it was like back in August, uh, Panopticon. Those two songs really, really hammer in like the metalcore nature of Silent Planet and just how fucking ferocious and malevolent and overall just cool they are when it comes to being able to produce, produce those kinds of sounds. Um, and then after that, you go into Terminal as another single. Terminal shows off a more, like, emotional side to Silent Planet. And, you know, the, the metalcore aspects are definitely there. But it just feels like that song is, like, a little bit more layered than Trilogy and Panopticon when it comes to the execution of, like, the um, those melodic tones I was talking about. And lyrically, you can look at Terminal as being something inspired by the time that Garrett spent getting psychiatric help. Because, uh, like, you know, the opening lines being... The hourglass is vacant, sand turns to medication. You can feel me, but I'll never be full. I'm slipping to sedation. The seconds are contagious. Can you tell me if I'm terminal? And then Anadonia was the final single in the lead up to the record being released last Friday. And uh, Anadonia just like kind of does what Silent Planet had been doing all along. And that is just proving over and over time and time again that they are one of the best metalcore bands in the world. And just, you know, the way that they're able to pull off these sounds and not have it come across as, like, just generic or vanilla, the way that I personally believe a lot of metalcore bands do, it really, really speaks to the talent and the experience and just the, like, the overall capabilities of Silent Planet. The record has a really cool intro track called 112, and the reference there being, or at least I believe this is what it's referencing, 112 is the emergency service number for most of Europe, and it was a European tour that Garrett had uh, pulled himself out of to go get help. And then 112 leads into Translate the Night, which is a fucking outstanding way to open this record, and the chorus has like really, really cool back and forth shit going on with Garrett Russell and Thomas Freckleton, and their chorus is... If you're breathing again, you'll hold your vows and say goodbye. If you're breathing again, spell out the world with open eyes and speak with the caution of colliding satellites. We're dancing in the dark. Our tongues are tied. Translate the night. Translate the night. Uh, something similar goes on with Second Sun, which is one of my favorite songs on this record. And then um, Alive as a House Fire. You know, similar things going on. It's Mitch Stark on Cleans, though. And one of the funny things, I think it's funny at least, uh, funny things about Alive as a House Fire is that it is the first Silent Planet song to ever feature profanity. And they go kind of all in on it because the outro is Garrick just saying over and over again, fuck the system. And the way that some people reacted to him saying the fuck word, I, I honestly couldn't believe it. I was like, is this really, really that big of a deal? And like, it wasn't like this overwhelming majority. It was definitely like a small minority that were outspoken about Garrett saying the fuck word. Um, why do I say the, the fuck word? I don't, whatever. Um, <laughs> never mind. Um, but yeah, just like the way that some people reacted to it. And I, I think it's just like, okay, if you feel that strongly about this band saying, a bad word? Okay, you do you, homie. That's fine. Um, in between Terminal and Anadonia, you get this interlude track called Liminal that is really, really creepy and unsettling, and 
it just kind of feels like a like imprisonment or abandonment and i know that might be a weird way to describe a song but like it just has like that really really eerie feel to it like almost like dirty and grimy but i really really enjoy it uh the penultimate song till we have faces was another just like incredible high point of the record i believed um it has one of the more powerful and i say more powerful but every like instance of a chorus on this record is powerful but with till we have faces i just felt so taken aback by the chorus on this one um let me see Ask the dead, cause they won't lie, there's no antidote for time, how can I survive gravity, as my bones begin to break, I surrender to the weight of gravity, and, you know, I just feel like, it, god, I, I'm, I'm going back to what I'm saying earlier about Silent Planet, just feeling like one of the most, like, relatable bands out there, and just one of those bands that, like, what, what they're saying is not so much laced with, like, metaphor, or anything like that, it's just they they get across these themes and these messages so elegantly and I just can't help but like again admire what they're doing and even if I wasn't a fan of Silent Planet I I believe I would hear this record or any record of theirs and just be so taken aback and wonder like man like how do they do this like why was the scene so lucky to be graced by a band like this and then the closing song, which is the title track for the record, it does this thing where the first half of it, it's just like really, really like ambient and it builds itself up perfectly. And Garrett is like the perfect commander for that section of the song. And then once it breaks out into another metalcore track, it just hits you like a fucking car, dude. And I, God, I can't get over like just how many times I'm hearing this, this record and just the way that they're able to like cause my mouth to just drop and just in my mind think like man how did any of this happen like silent planet are legitimately one of those bands that i just i, I have to be so e eternally thankful for to you know a god or whatever deity it is you believe in or if, if you believe in a deity for that matter but just like Silent Planet is one of those bands that I just have to be like so grateful and thankful for and like they make what I'm doing easy I was gonna call it my job but it's not my job it's just a dumb little hobby they make this dumb little hobby easy when I can have a band like Silent Planet just to just come on the show and rave about and talk about ad nauseum it makes what I'm doing so much more enjoyable and I I'm able to resonate with the band in, in that manner and I just feel like this is a band that everybody should experience. Era Descent is a record that everybody should experience. This is a, like everything about this whole act, Silent Planet, Era Descent, and if you go back to any of their other records, it feels like generational. It feels once in a lifetime. And I just cannot get over the, the, the thoughts and the emotions and everything that Silent Planet were able to bring out of me with Era Descent and you know, I'm, it's a record that I'm going to hold close to me. I'm going to go back to it pretty much after I finish uploading this. I'm going to keep going back to it for the coming weeks and months and maybe years for that matter. They just, they're one of those bands that, you know, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, love them, hate them, whatever you might feel, respect them. You got to do that much. And that's it. That was every single and album and EP that I had to talk about, uh, for the releases from last week. And 
finishing this one, I think there are two regular weekly episodes left. Um, cause there's not going to be one for the December 3rd releases. Um, so yeah, I think there are only two weeks left. November 19th releases and November 26th. So damn, that's crazy. Um, the, the year end stuff is looking good. Let me say that now. The lists are actually starting to take shape. I actually do have 50 records and 100 songs that, um, you know, are in there right now. Obviously, it's not going to last because, um, at least like three more songs are going to get added from Scenic Overlook's number one rankings. And then, you know, there are still some really, really heavy hitters coming out, like Between You and Me, um, Volumes, um, Imminence of Mice and Men. Um, like Pacific, Static Dress, like there's still a lot happening and I just, I, I, I feel good about what's going to happen over the next few weeks and the next month on this show. I, I really, really do. And I hope you as listener, you feel good about it too, because this is going to be the kind of content that I've always dreamed of putting out. And I genuinely cannot wait to get to this point where I can sit down here and talk about my favorite records and songs of the year, because that's kind of what the whole purpose of this platform has been. And yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let y'all get out of here now and go back to doing whatever it is you're going to do. Um, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.